0: Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week. Each week we highlight a local ministry that is impacting the community in Jesus' name. Our hope is to connect you to a ministry in which you can grow and serve in Christ's kingdom. And now your host for the Ministry of the Week, Craig Roberts.
1: In our conversation today, we're honored to have join us the senior pastor of Harvest Valley Church of Pleasanton, Pastor Derek Meekins. And Pastor, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. You are Bay Area born and bred. (laughs) That's right. They're one of the rare ones out there. More and more, you meet people that are transports from other parts of the world and find themselves attracted to the San Francisco Bay region. But you've spent your entire life here. You grew up in the city of Fremont.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised, went to Fremont Christian School, uh, graduated, and then went to Bethany College, Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. So, yeah, it's my home. Tell me a bit about that trajectory.
1: At what point in your life experience did you feel that God
2: was saying, there's something here? Yeah, around 17, I was uh, my junior year. And I knew God was calling me to ministry. I didn't know what that meant. I wasn't raised in a ministry home. so. Um, but around my senior year, uh, a lot of my plans had failed. I thought I was going to go to a certain school that just didn't work out. And my mom suggested a place in Dallas, Texas called Christ for the Nations. So I just thought... It was going to be a year of just getting my act together, but it turned out to be a place where God uh, brought me into my calling. How much of your experience at Fremont Christian do you attribute that to? a lot I was in a my senior year I was in a traveling uh, drama group. I loved the missions aspect of it. We went all over the all over Europe and uh, went to churches and i just I got the bug and Thought, man, this is this is pretty cool. I want to do this for my life, and that uh, that bug, so to
1: speak, in terms of a passion for missions continues to this day in fact you just very recently got back from a missions trip to the philippines and and in your church i noticed even on your website um there's emphasis Mm -hmm. on this idea of the importance of the church being involved in missions work sort of that let's influence judea and samaria but also the uttermost parts of the earth why is that important
2: well it's a it's a great test of our christianity um It's one thing to connect with those that we're closest to, but to get outside of ourselves and to touch other places that that are needing Christ, boy, it challenges you. It builds your faith. You come home, and you're ready to go for it. So that's the hope is that people that come on mission trips with us, and that's why we do mission trips is we want people to identify with their empowerment as Christians because it's just not going to church. It's about getting out there and finding what's inside of you. And once they get to other places, it pulls it out of you. It's almost as if, and we were talking about this a bit uh, off the air
1: today, it's almost as if there are two churches that are existing side by side. Um, One that is very inward-looking, um, self-centered, mm-hmm. self-focused, and the other that I think is a more accurate depiction and reflection of the first century church, of the church that we see, for example, in the book of Acts, that has more of that outward-looking approach. Right. You use the term, get outside of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, certainly that, that's clear in its applicability to missions, but do you think that's also important just in terms of the overall church's influence, and I, and I mean that not just as the, the organism, the organization, the church, but as individual believers in terms of looking out beyond ourselves and impacting and touching every life that we come in contact That's with. Right. The newspaper boy, the neighbor down the street, the, the the worker in the cubicle next to us, the guy that we, we run into at the BART station every day.
2: That's right. I mean, Paul de- describes us as a royal priesthood. We're not Bound to a segment or to just a religious house, but we are, we are, uh, we should go into all parts. We are uh, in the order of Melchizedek not just priest doing the work of God, but we are uh, royal in the sense of we are kings, and we should we should make an emphasis in every um, walk of life, whatever your called to, whatever your purpose is, uh, make an emphasis in that. And so that's what we believe. We believe, no, the church is supposed to go outside to make the impact.
1: Did those early mission trips that you spoke of earlier help
2: to solidify in your mind the importance and the impact of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been to 40 countries, and each one of them has— uh, just a passion for the gospel. Um, you know, they get an emphasis there of, of, of church and of, of Christianity, but it's amazing when they see people come from 2,000 to 10,000 miles away for them. And, boy, you're, you get a voice like crazy in their life, and you're able to really make an impact. Because they see, and it it speaks to them. It's like, okay, now that we've done it, you need to do it. Some of these
1: nations, and I'm thinking in particular of places like the former Soviet Mm -hmm. Union, communist China, um, a good percentage of Africa, and other places that are absolutely on fire. We've seen some numbers, for example, coming out of China that would suggest that up to Mm 10,000 people a day come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you look at that sense of enthusiasm, phenomenal growth, and we wonder to ourselves, well, wait a minute now. In the United States, we have a church on every street corner. We have freedom of religion. We have freedom of speech. We have Christian magazines and newspapers and radio and TV stations. It seems as if all of the mechanisms that we ought to need to have an effective Impact on behalf of the gospel here in America is all available at our disposal, and yet if you look at the church in America compared to the church in some of these other places, there's a major stark contrast. Mm-hmm. You've seen this. You've witnessed this, Pastor Meekins, firsthand. Why do you think there's that difference? Why does there appear to be such an, a, a ravenous hunger for the things of
2: God in other countries? Well, it's what you said uh, Persecution, um, it it stirs up the heart to, to uh, want more. And, um, you know, we're blessed to be in a great nation where we're free to do a lot of different things. And some of those freedoms we're seeing start to slip now. But you go to nations where uh, – I went to one nation uh, where it was in Romania where the people – didn't even uh, – they they were enjoying the freedom of actually singing out loud. They were confined to a room where they had to whisper and, and sing sing that at that level. And now they're free to sing. And it just it, – it's like a kid in a candy store. All the stuff that they were not able to do, uh, they're able to do. And I think – that's where that uh, excitement and the passion for the things of god um um uh, is coming out i think in our nation the problem is is that we've had so much that um we don't we we haven't yet respected i guess uh not having it and boy but when you don't have it and you finally get it that's when it changes. It also means
1: then in some of these countries particularly that continue to experience persecution to this day the notion of being a cultural christian or a casual christian
2: is probably virtually unheard of isn't it? <laughs> You're right. I mean the churches I go to—that's not even a phrase. I mean, I mean, you're going to
1: run the risk of, for example, losing your job or being sent to jail for three years because you're you're passing out Bibles or led somebody to Christ. I would imagine for that individual, you got to be pretty serious
2: about what, your commitment and your relationship with the Lord. That's right. And most people, that is not a conflict of interest. They don't they don't care because they're just. They're just excited about having a voice right now, and and uh, yeah, it's it's d- definitely different. At what point did you feel as
1: if okay, God is definitely calling me to the ministry here, and you felt that tug to to move into actually becoming a pastor? Nineteen
2: eighty six, uh, I I knew it was. I was coming back from New Orleans. Uh, I went to Mardi Gras, not not to party, but I was in a ministry group, and um, to see the, the the impact that we made just in a short few days, and my partner and I, in that day and a half, fifty seven people came to the Lord, and I'm like, this is addicting. <laughs> I, I want more of this, and uh, I just, I just. It just turned me on to um, not only the gospel message but it just I wanted to do it the rest of my life so that evangelistic uh part of my journey uh really propelled me into uh, ministry in the pastoral ranks and as we mentioned, you know in addition to to your your
1: studies and uh, uh, the time that you spent at Bethany College. Um, and then down at uh, Christ for the Nations. You also, oddly enough, uh, spent some time studying the law. Yeah. uh, And people think, well, yes, (laughs) you have to Old Testament, New Testament. No, I mean, law from a legal standpoint. And got a degree
2: in business as well. Yeah. What was the motivation behind that? I've just seen too many churches um, that are great churches, great heart, uh, pastors that are really – really have a good vision for their community uh, fail not because of their heart for the community but because of their inability uh, in the business uh, the business most churches don't have the ability to to bring in a CFO uh, so the pastor has to manage between church and board and all these different Uh, dynamics, capital improvements and all everything. So you you need to know a little bit. And so I I didn't want to be in that place where it's like, okay, uh, my board knows more than me. I I wanted to be able to uh, lead not just on a spiritual level but also in a business level as well as law. I mean today we are faced with a lot of – um, a lot of laws that may affect the body of Christ. And and I don't want to be left out. I want to know. I want to be able to navigate some of these um, these laws that are coming down as it uh, pertains to the church. I want to be ahead of it, not behind it. So that was the main reason. I wanted to be well-equipped as a pastor. And, and – uh, there's there's other ways to do it. I mean, you can get people that know a lot of, in, in these areas, but but I, I at least wanted to have that, that cutting edge as a pastor.
1: So not only beneficial in terms of the stewardship angle, you mentioned about, you know, churches that will get themselves in trouble because they take on too enthusiastic of a building project, um, and all of a sudden they're just being crushed under right. that weight because they didn't realize— what they were getting themselves into. And, you know, there's a lot of good folks that sit on boards of elders or boards of deacons that are very well-meaning that might bring no professional expertise to the mm-hmm. table whatsoever. The other issue, though, that you touch on, which I think is a fascinating one, and that is that that while we enjoy, unlike most nations, a tremendous degree of autonomy and freedom in relationship to religious freedoms in America, First Amendment rights, etc., uh, that's beginning to change, mm-hmm. and particularly in states like California, that are not only creating a, a a hostile environment to the church that, for example, wants to build a new building, and the local city fathers say, "No, we want tax revenue coming out of that parcel of land." Uh, but also, we're seeing things like the passage of laws that relate to, and I and I can't even believe we've come. This far in such a short period of time that all of a sudden now we're even at the point where we're legally questioning whether or not somebody's the gender that they were born mm-hmm. and the influence that that can potentially have even on a church's hiring practices That's as right. it relates to uh, ministers and people that come on board as a part of the ministry that now all of a sudden have to deal with this tertiary power that's Mm. not coming from God, not coming from the church board or the presbytery, but rather coming from the government.
2: That's right. Yeah. And I would say to the pastors that are listening, protect yourself, protect your constitution and bylaws. It's there for a reason. It's your legal document for your 501c3. Make sure it has your distinctives clearly in it. Because if it's not like Traditional marriage and who you want to hire. If you don't have that in your document, you may be suspect to be grandfathered into the newest law coming down uh, the pipes. and And a lot of times, you know, like I said, good intention is not good enough nowadays. You have to be smart. You have to know what you're doing. You have to get some good people around you that understand um politically as well as uh um uh legally what what's coming down are you seeing a paradigm shift taking place most definitely most definitely i mean the, the pastor today has to be a person that is well balanced in in everything you we just cannot st- stay in our study and you know work on our sermon for Sunday morning, I know a lot of pastors, obviously, they don't. That's only 10% of what we do. But we have to be well-equipped, get some people around us that know what they're doing so that we will be able to face uh, these things coming down. This paradigm shift, is it something that the church
1: has to respond to, or is this something that perhaps— has been allowed to take place because of some failure
2: point of the church? I think both. I think it is a, um, a systemic. It's our culture. Uh, we cannot, um, uh, you know, it's one thing to try to fight or try to um, hold back uh, the, the cultural. But, but the reality is Scripture shows us that, that it, this is going to come. It's going to – fence will come. It is coming. We just have to make sure that we're prepared for it and we are able to do uh, whatever we can do to prevent our churches and prevent, uh, you know, our rights from being uh, taken away.
1: That, that cultural tie that would suggest things like strict separation of church and state, yeah. um, it's okay to believe what you believe but keep it to yourself – Uh, Go to your house of worship, do your thing behind your four walls on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, we don't want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That certainly seems to be the direction in which the culture would like to push the church. But what about for the church's sake itself? From a biblical perspective – Uh, does God want us to have our relationship with him to be a very private, personal, quiet thing that we keep to ourselves? Or is the church more called to be out there in terms of salt and light? Mm -hmm. And then what of the matter of discipleship? We spend a lot of time these days talking about church growth. There are seminars that, that address the issue of becoming a seeker sensitive and in that sort. And we want to see numerical growth of the church. But the irony is, as I read the New Testament, there's not much talk about that, but there's a lot of talk about the importance of discipleship, what it is to be a follower of
2: Jesus. That's right. Well, I think it's both. Personally, having that personal devotion, I'm a real big believer in that, your relationship with the Lord and getting your prayer time in and developing yourself up as an individual. But that's not an end to its means. It's it's for the purpose of being outward. Uh, so that you're strong outside. So the church has uh, an obligation to spend time and develop themselves, but at the same time, take that now empowered person and and make a difference. We're not to be in a closet. We are to be out there. And um, you know, the narrative that the church has heard for years in separation of church and state, that was never intended to be uh, for the church to be in this little corner. No, it was the government back when the Constitution meant something that the government was saying, hey, the, we're not going to interfere with the church. But it wasn't saying that the church can't interfere with life and and its, it's, it's country. Uh, I thank God. You know, the 40 nations I go into, every one of them has had a terrible uh, time with their, their governments and, and, and their rights. We're so blessed as a nation. We have had years and years and years of incredible freedom. And, and I, I, sadly, I think the church hasn't taken advantage of it.
1: We were talking earlier, Pastor, about some of your overseas experiences and the impact that that had on your life, largely at a pretty young age. At what point did you feel as if, okay, God is definitely calling me to the ministry here, and you felt that tug to to move into actually becoming a pastor?
2: 1986, uh, I I knew it was—I was coming back from New Orleans— uh, I went to Mardi Gras, not not to party, but I was in a ministry group, and um, to see the, the the impact that we made just in a short few days, and my partner and I, in that day and a half, fifty seven people came to the Lord, and I'm like, this is addicting. <laughs> I, I want more of this, and uh, I just, I just it just turned me on to um not only the gospel message but it just I wanted to do it the rest of my life so that evangelistic uh part of my journey uh, really propelled me into uh ministry in the pastoral ranks and as we mentioned you know in addition to to your your
1: studies and uh, uh the time that you spent at Bethany College Um, and then down at uh, Christ for the Nations. You also, oddly enough, uh, spent some time studying the law. Yeah. uh, And people think, well, yes, (laughs) you have to Old Testament, New Testament. No, I mean, law from a legal standpoint. And uh, got a degree
2: in business as well. Yeah. What was the motivation behind that? I've just seen too many churches um, that are great churches, great heart uh, pastors that are really – really have a good vision for their community uh, fail, not because of their heart for the community, but because of their inability uh, in the business. Uh, the business Most churches don't have the ability to, to bring in a CFO, uh, so the pastor has to manage between church and board and all these different Uh, dynamics, capital improvements, and all, everything. So you you, you need to know a little bit. And so I I didn't want to be in that place where it's like, okay, uh, my board knows more than me. I I wanted to be able to uh, lead not just on a spiritual level but also in a business level as well as law. I mean today we are faced with a lot of – um, a lot of laws that may affect the body of Christ, and and I don't want to be left out. I want to know. I want to be able to navigate some of these um, these laws that are coming down as it uh, pertains to the church. I want to be ahead of it, not behind it. So that was the main reason I wanted to be well equipped as a pastor, and and. Uh, there's, there's other ways to do it. I mean, you can get people that know a lot of in, in these areas, but... But I, I at least wanted to have that, that cutting edge as a pastor.
1: If you are new to the San Francisco Bay Area or perhaps in search of a new church home, you may want to drop by and check out Harvest Valley Church in Pleasanton. Again, as we mentioned earlier, the service times are Sunday mornings at 9 and again at 1045 a.m. at 3200 Hopyard Road in Pleasanton. If you check out the website, harvestvalley.org, you'll get a bit of a sense of the breadth and depth of uh, the the Ministries available at Harvest Valley and um, what's available for you. So, again, more information on the web at harvestvalley.org. That's harvestvalley.org. You can also call them for more information at 925 484 2482. That's 925 484 2482. Pastor Meekins, we appreciate so much you taking time to come by and to share with us today. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. You bet. Again, more information on the web at harvestvalley.org. And our thanks to Pastor Derek Meekins, Senior Pastor at Harvest Valley Church of Pleasanton. Thank you for listening to the KFAX Ministry of the Week. More
0: information about this week's highlighted ministry is available at kfax.com. Until next time, God bless